0: Hey, thanks for tuning in again to the Final Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Woody, and today we're going to be answering a question that is fairly prevalent in the church, and that question is, should Christians tithe? Really, the format today is going to be somewhat of a Bible study. Uh, we're going to go through the Scripture and and just look at what Scripture says, and apply the uh, principles of uh, Bible interpretation to find out whether this is a New Testament thing or an Old Testament thing, should we tithe, should we not, or, uh, and are there benefits either way? Um, so, uh, let me let me start out first by saying everything that I, I teach uh, comes from my heart. You can't teach anything unless, unless it's on your heart, unless uh, it's something that you know, obviously, and um, also... The things that are burning inside you are easiest to share, Uh, so a lot of these podcast episodes and a lot of the teaching I've done in the past, uh, before, pre-podcast, has come from conversations that I've had in my everyday life, Uh, news articles, current events, radio stations, songs, I mean, just daily life, right? And and those kinds of things prompt me to start thinking and meditating and finding out what the Word of God says about certain topics, and then the teaching will come from there. You have to teach from your heart. Your ministry is an overflow of your private life. That's how all ministry must be. And that's why um, if you're trying to teach something that you don't have a revelation of yet, A, it's not going to work, and B, people are going to notice. And and you'll you'll seem hypocritical because you're not living out the revelation in your own life. Uh, this episode is no different. Should Christians tithe is a topic that I have studied and studied and studied. Uh, it's based on questions that I've had myself, questions I've heard uh, in in several years of ministry, uh, and and um, just it came back up recently in a conversation I had with somebody from church. And uh, he's probably going to listen to this episode. Uh, still plan on getting together with you and having a conversation. But this is one of those things. Like I said, when when it's on fire in me, I gotta get it out, and this podcast is a good platform for that, I believe, and hopefully it can answer questions for other people who who um, are wondering about the tithe. So hopefully I don't stumble over my words during the rest of the episode, like I have in the little intro here. But let's get right into it. Should Christians tithe? This is a really hot topic. This is one that people get really heated and, and really angry about very quickly. And people are set in their ways and set in their traditions and their beliefs. And well, our denomination says this, and pastor says that, and uncle so-and-so said such and such, and great-grandma Ivy said we're not supposed to, and brother Butch said we are supposed to, and, and but none of that matters. What matters is what does the word say. The word of God is the final authority. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people are so adamant about one way or the other because of experiences they have had and usually it's they they get angry because they're against it because of negative experiences in the past through uh ministers who make a hard pull and a hard demand on the tithe in the church and and try to command the people to tithe and then there's 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 others that have seen tv ministers that well so-called ministers uh, I believe they're not really ministers if they make such a pull for it, but they make a hard pull for uh, money into the ministry to get people to give. And, and that's that just, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth of anybody uh, who's the target of that, that kind of thing. And, and it's just, it's, it's wrong. And and that is why we shun it. That's why we shy away from it. Because we know in our heart that that's not right. Something is off there. And and so we want to find out what the Word says Uh about the tithe, and a lot of people think, well, you know, it's it's an Old Testament thing. We're not bound to it under the New Testament, um, and and that could be true. We're going to look at it, but the the big question is: Is the tithe a New Testament thing? Is it commanded under the New Testament? We want to be um, like Paul told Timothy to be, to rightly divide the word of truth. That's in Second Timothy two fifteen. If you want to look it up, to uh, we want to we want to look at the Scripture. Use proper Bible interpretation principles and divide the Word of Truth, uh, excuse me, appropriately, so that we understand whether the tithe is scriptural or not. So, one law of Bible interpretation is called the law of first mention. This uh, this principle of Bible interpretation says that the first time God mentions something, He lays out His plan for it. And his his plans never change. His word will not return to him void, but will accomplish that thing wherewith he sent. Uh, scripture says God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So the first time he says something, that's his plan. And you can you can apply that to, to anything you find in the Bible. Um, as far as God's plan for mankind, you can go back to Genesis, the book of beginnings, and see that God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. He gave us dominion on the earth. He wanted us to walk in authority, which Adam bowed his knee to Satan and lost. But Christ came and restored that authority to us in Christ. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Another example of the law of first mention in effect would be the uh, the thorn in the flesh that Paul talked about. And this is another one of those things that people get really heated about and, and go way off on. And Maybe we'll do a, an episode on that here a little bit later. But if you look at the first mentions of that phrase, thorn in the flesh, you'll see it in Numbers 33, 55, and again in Judges 2, 3, and both times, those are the only two places in the Bible that it's used, that that phrase is used, both times, the thorns in the flesh are referring to people who become irritations to the people of God. So so the Lord said, if you don't drive them out, they will become a thorn in your side, a thorn in your flesh, uh, an irritation to you. They will distract you from the things of God. And Paul, speaking, if you read it in context, is talking about the same thing, a messenger of Satan who has become a thorn in his flesh, a thorn in his side, an irritation. And then God said, my grace is sufficient. And you, you got enough to overcome this. But like I said, that's a topic for another time. But that's an example of the law of first mention. So applying the law of first mention to the tithe, we understand we have to interpret the old testament in light of the new testament so let, let's let's first lay out a timeline here so you've got the the adamic covenant which was adam so adam god gave adam dominion on the earth and until adam uh, gave it up had the adamic covenant and then you had the, the the age of the gentiles and then you had the abrahamic covenant where where god made a covenant with abraham and that lasted until God gave Moses the law, the Mosaic Covenant, and then Jesus came at the end of that, and there was a little 33-year uh, span of, of time where Jesus was uh, fulfilling the law and introducing the New Covenant, and on His resurrection, when He sent the Holy Spirit into the earth, in Acts chapter 2, the New Covenant covenant entered, and we live under the New Covenant. So the first mention of the, the tithe that we see in the Bible is in Genesis 14 and verse 15 to 23. And this is the story of Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, the priest, the priest of Salem. And it said, and he divided himself against them. Okay, so let me let me lay a little background before I go into that. Uh, Abraham was living in, in kind of on his own. Lot had separated from him. Lot was living in Sodom. So this war breaks out and five kings go against four and they come against Sodom. Sodom is is overrun. Uh, destroyed and all their goods and some of the people are hauled off uh, by the victorious army. Well, Lot was living in in Sodom at the time. Lot got taken. Abraham heard about it. Abraham uh, goes with, I believe it was 318 of his servants. Uh, And and that's where we pick up here. Uh, And he divided himself against them. He went after this army to get Lot back with 318 servants. You got five kingdoms arrayed as an army that had just taken, uh, just conquered another army, taken their stuff and their servants and everything and ran off with it. And Abraham's got 318 servants. I believe that number's right. And he, he goes out, uh, out against them to get his brother-in-law back, or uh, sorry, his uh, nephew back. So he says in Genesis fourteen fifteen, he divided himself against them. He and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So he delivered this whole kingdom with 318 men. That's that's phenomenal. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of maybe. Chedorlaomer, Maybe. Chedorlamer. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. And the kings that were with him at the valley of Shava, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So this is the first instance we see of somebody in the Bible uh, being mentioned as tithe. That's the first time we see tithe in the Bible. Now, I had a... I guess you'd call it a debate with a guy one time. And he said, well, see, Abraham Abraham couldn't really tithe that because it wasn't his to give. Uh, but in in the day of conquest, in, in this day where kingdom went against kingdom and, and uh, uh, kingdoms conquered other kingdoms and took over the land, in the day of conquest, the spoils belonged to the victor. Okay, so this stuff did not any longer belong to the king of Sodom. This stuff belonged to the army that had taken it from him. And then Abraham went and took it from them. So now it belonged to him. The victor, the spoils belonged to the victor. So this was Abraham's stuff, the spoils. He could have kept them. So what was going on here? What, what was he, he saying? Well, I think uh, the king of Sodom probably recognized that a lot of these things would be associated with his kingdom, with his palace. And so if people saw it, they might assume that the king of Sodom had given these things to Abraham. And Abraham probably recognized that. So the king was probably thinking, hey, I'll get some credit for making Abraham rich. He was possibly also recognizing that God had set Abraham uh, as as a nation unto himself. He was setting Abraham apart. He was with him. He had a covenant with him. And the king of Sodom was probably thinking, you know, it'd be better to have a covenant with this guy than and be an ally than to be his enemy. Uh, So, there there was probably a couple reasons the king of Sodom wanted them to keep the stuff, but Abraham said, no, I'll not have anybody assuming that you have made me rich. I want everybody to know God has made me rich, and my covenant with God is what has resulted in my riches. So, that's, that's a little note there. Now, the other thing here is that It says he he gave tithes to the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Uh, King of Salem means king of peace. He is a type of Christ, we'll find out later, king who is the prince of peace, right? So there's a lot of parallels there. And like I said, we'll look at that. But uh, notice that this seemed normal. There there was no fanfare. The Bible just says he gave tithes to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, that he gave him the tenth of all, tithes of all, of everything that he had taken, which... Uh, Kind of establishes a precedent here. If we are going to tithe, if it is New Testament for us, uh, then our tithes should be of our net income uh, rather than our gross. And there's some argument on that as well. And we'll, we'll get into that. But the tithe here seemed normal. Abraham gave tithes to the high priest of God. And this is this is under the Abrahamic covenant. The law has not come in yet. This is 400 years before the law. Okay, so that's something to note. We said the law of first mention establishes precedents by which we can judge the rest of the word. And this happened, this occasion took place before the law. So what does the New Testament say about this incident? And it's wonderful that the New Testament actually mentions this incident in Hebrews chapter 7. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 10. Uh, No, that's not right. Yeah, yeah, it is. One through 1-10. So it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So I said, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, means king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made, like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. So, there's how we're we're kind of outlining that he is a type of Christ for us. He did not come through the Levitical priesthood, which came under the the Mosaic covenant, the the age of the law, the Levitical priesthood. He came before all that. Melchizedek was a priest of God with no lineage. He did not descend from Aaron's loins from the Levitical priesthood. He was before all that, and and apparently in their records he has no no beginning and no end. You know, usually they say such and such uh, bore such and such and lived 435 years and then died but in their records apparently there's no beginning and no end to Melchizedek so he said just like Christ the son of God he's made like unto the son of God he abideth a priest continually he has no beginning no end and and no uh, he, he's not in the Levitical priesthood uh, verse 4 Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. <clears throat> And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. That's Christ. And as I may also say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's talking about the Levitical priesthood here. It hadn't happened yet. Levi was hadn't come. Abraham was his father uh, by, by faith and and the Levitical priesthood hadn't been established Uh, Melchizedek being a type of Christ. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And uh, yeah, so that's where we're at here. So it was established, the tithe established under Abraham's covenant. And then he's referring here to the Levitical priesthood where the Levites were commanded, the the Mosaic law commanded that we were to tithe, uh, the Hebrews were to tithe. So it was established under the Abrahamic covenant. It was regulated under the Mosaic covenant. So what about our new covenant? Okay, we live under the new covenant, right? Well, Hebrews 4.14 tells us, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need." Now here, we see Christ is our high priest. There, Melchizedek was the high priest of God. And we saw in Hebrews 7 and uh, verse... where to go? Verse 8, here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Christ is our high priest and he receives tithes from us. So what, okay, we've got... We've got the Old Testament account. We've got what the New Testament says about it. What did Jesus say about the tithes? Well, Jesus didn't mention the tithe very often, and, and a lot of people use this to argue against the tithe. Well, Jesus didn't talk about it, so we must not have to do it. But I'd like to present a different perspective on that, in, and the one time that Jesus did mention it is in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, and he is scolding the teachers of the law, and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So what he's saying here is, hey, look, you guys tithe all the way down to your your spices and the little herbs of your garden, and you count the leaves, and you do all these tiny little things, and and you're so detail-oriented that you've forgotten the heart. You've forgotten justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have remembered this and not neglected the tithe. So the one time he mentions it, he reinforces the tithe. And I, I'd like to to uh, submit to your your thought process that Jesus didn't have to mention the tithe. He didn't have to tell the people to tithe because these people were living under the Mosaic Covenant. The law was being preached day in and day out, and the tithe was part of that. So everybody here would have been tithing. They would have been tithers. It's not something Jesus would have needed to teach on. And the fact that he only mentioned it once and he reaffirmed it really indicates that, that it is something that he believed in. If, if he didn't, he would have contradicted it. He would have said, the tithe has passed away, you no longer need to do this, I'm bringing in a new covenant, but he never said that. So that's something to think about anyway. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot said about it because it was well taught, well understood, and everybody did it. Alright, so through Jesus we learned that God looks at the heart and proportions, he doesn't look at numbers and sums. And we can look at, at the story of the widow woman to, to get this principle. In Mark 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd, putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. So uh, the, the verbiage there, if you, if you do a study on the Greek, shows that they're doing it with a pompous attitude. Oh, look at me. Look how much I'm giving. That type of thing. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, "I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on." So he he said, "Look, if you're looking at the numbers, those guys put more in, but if you're looking at the heart, she did. She put more in. She put everything in. They gave a a tiny little percentage of their overall net worth. She gave everything. He's looking at the heart, and, and you can reinforce this with 2 Corinthians nine seven. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Some say it's it's not about the heart, or sorry, it's it's about the heart. It's not about the amount, so we shouldn't be regulated to the tithe. Well. Yes and no. Yes, Jesus said it's about the heart. You should. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7 said you should give what you've decided in your heart. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to tithe. We established that it began in the Abrahamic covenant. It predated the law or the, the old covenant. The promise of Abraham predated the law and the old covenant. It was regulated under the law because it was a good thing and they kept it going. But I don't think it's passed away, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with this. So, uh, it's, not, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. That's, a, that's exactly right. Uh, Jesus tithed, because he was under the Old Testament, he would have tithed. He uh, lived by the law. And he receives our tithes. We, we saw that in Hebrews 7. But if your heart isn't right, it doesn't matter if it's 10% or 99%, It's worthless. It doesn't do you any good. God does not receive offerings unless the heart is right. And we saw that all the way back in the book of Genesis with Cain and Abel. Right? Cain brought his offering of of vegetables and stuff that he'd grown from the ground. And and Abel brought his offering, the first fruits, the best of his flock. God accepted Abel's offering but did not accept Cain's. God does not accept something just because you give it. Your heart's got to be right. He doesn't always receive your offerings. It may be worse off for you to give just out of compulsion. Because now you've given it away and there's no spiritual reward for it than if you had just held on to it, because at least you'd still have that amount uh, and, and obviously you wouldn't be rewarded for it, but you wouldn't have lost that amount and given it uh, with, with no reward. So it's, it, it is about your heart. 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two. Samuel said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. It is about your heart. whether Whether you're tithing or whether you're just giving above and beyond the tithe, it's about your heart. And if your heart's not right, God doesn't receive it. Uh, it, it just going through the motions doesn't get you brownie points. Men might look at it and say, "Oh, look how much he gave," but God sees your heart. God can't be fooled; you can't fool Him. So Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. There's a lot. There's a lot of people I mentioned before that say, "You know, it was under the old the old covenant. The the tithe was under the old covenant, and Jesus that that's passed away because we got the new covenant in Jesus's blood." Well. That's true and it's not. So Jesus said in Matthew 5:17 and 18, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Principles don't alter. So the principles God established in the Old Testament, our our old covenant, the Adamic, the Abrahamic, and the Mosaic covenants, did not pass away just because Jesus fulfilled them. And there's many things that haven't been fulfilled yet that are still to be fulfilled. But but, uh, for example, the Ten Commandments didn't pass away. They're still applicable, right? Do not kill. Do not steal. You'll have only one God. No other gods before me. Do not covet. Do not envy. Those things are still applicable to us today. They haven't passed away. Jesus gave us a higher command and said, love God and love each other. And if you do these two things, you're going to fulfill the Ten Commandments. But they didn't pass away. Right? They're still applicable. Neither did tithes. But let, let's keep going. Let's, let's establish this on the Word of God. Let's let the Word of God establish this for us. Galatians chapter 3. You'll notice that is New Testament. Verse 15. I'm going to read quite a chunk. It's verse 15 to 29. So this is... Um, This is written to the church. It says, Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. Now, let's talk about a covenant uh, real quick. A covenant is something that was cut in blood that could not be altered. It's not like a contract where you can hire a good lawyer and get out of it. A covenant was until death. The marriage is supposed to be a covenant. and and these things could not be altered. It, one person gave of their substance and in return, the other person in the covenant gave back in reciprocal fashion. The covenant could not be altered. And so he said, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant, so two men enter into a, into a covenant that can't be broken until somebody dies. He said, so it is in this case with this covenant between us and God. Verse 16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say unto seeds, plural, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. It does not set aside the covenant God made with Abraham. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise But God, in His grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Christ Jesus, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come could be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith, now now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The King James says, you are heirs of the promise of Abraham. That promise of Abraham is the blessing. That promise of Abraham is the covenant that he established with Abraham under which Abraham established the tithe. And he said that covenant, that that promise can't be changed by a Mosaic law. It is established as a promise and available to us through faith if we are if we belong to Christ Jesus, we're Abraham's seed and heirs of that same promise. So that the same set of rules Abraham operated under still apply to us today. So the blessing of Abraham, the promise of Abraham, as as this version says, is the same from Adam to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph. You can trace it down to Moses all the way down to Jesus, and now it's available to us through Christ. We have the same promise Abraham had. We can operate under the same covenant God made with Abraham. Now, there is a little side note I'd like to introduce here that um, certain, certain scholars seem to believe, and, and some Hebrew teaching, the uh, oral teaching of, of some of the Hebrews, indicates that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tithe. Uh Hebrew tradition holds that there were 10 original trees in the garden and one of those was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that tree was to be reserved for God as his tithe, one tenth, the tithe of the garden and that's why they weren't to eat of it. I don't have scripture to back that up, but it seems good to me and you know you can you can judge it as you will, like I said, I don't have scripture for it, so I'm not going to make a doctrine out of it but it's it's interesting to think because if you look down to abraham where we where we read <clears throat> where Abraham gave tithes of Melchizedek, where did he get the idea? Where did he even you know how did he know that tithing was a thing? How did he know to give tithes? Somebody must have taught him, somebody must have told him, and uh, granted, it could have been God speaking to him and God you know, told him, Give me tithes and I'll 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 bless you. Uh but it also could have been something that was passed down all the way from Adam. I don't know. I can't make a doctrine of that, but it's it's something interesting to think about anyhow. It seems to make sense to me. So let's let's go on down. Abraham, Isaac, let's go to Jacob. What did Jacob do? Jacob tithed as well. That's that's uh another uh incident in the Bible where we have of somebody tithing. And, and he did it from a very business-like, uh, transactional standpoint, very deal-like. In Genesis 28, verse 20 through 22, it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give to me, I will give you a tenth. So it's an if then situation he's making an agreement with God, if you'll bless me i'll I'll tithe and God, and in a covenant, like I said, covenants are reciprocal, so when the one person makes a condition, the other person returns that that condition. so Jacob said, here, if you'll bless me, I'll tithe and God said, "Well, if you tithe, I'll bless you, and we see that down in Malachi three ten how God sees it. But he's, it's a very business-like transaction. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's very transactional. <clears throat> so we are heirs of Abraham's covenant. So Jacob is operating under that same covenant. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob passed on down to, to Moses, Joseph, Joseph Moses, uh, Jesus, and now through Christ, we are heirs of that same blessing, that same promise to Abraham. That's what Jacob was operating under here. And and he's operating under the same blessing that we have according to Hebrews 7. This is why I love the tithe. Uh, if I if you haven't figured it out yet, I believe we should tithe. I believe we 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 whether I'm not sure how I want to say it. I believe I can't afford not to tithe because I see it's it's a blessing thing. I love the tithe because it's got to do with blessing. God doesn't change. If he said he would bless a tither, and he said, uh, you know, Jacob said, if you bless me, I will tithe. And and we see as as you go down through the story, God blessed him and and he tithed. So God honored that covenant. We saw Abraham's operating under his covenant with God. He tithed. God blessed him. It's a blessing thing. God don't change. If he blessed Abraham and he tithed, I believe then if I tithe, I'll be blessed. And it's not, it's not that I'm giving to get. I just see the principle laid out, and I'm going to obey God in his word. I'm going to honor his word, and I'm going to, I'm going to operate by the precedent set by my father, Abraham, the father in the faith, my father, uh, father of, of my faith. So God doesn't change. If he said he would bless the tither, he didn't change it. And, and not to mention, people said it, it was old covenant. Well, yeah, and the New Testament says we have a new and better covenant. Right, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that our covenant is established on better promises and mediated by Christ Jesus. And it's a new and better covenant. So if their covenant they tithed and got blessed and ours is even better, then by golly, I'm going to tithe. It's a faith thing. Uh, uh, One one guy argued with me about this. And maybe argue wasn't the right word. Uh, It was more of a discussion that he began to get really heated. (laughs) <laughs> but but it, it, it hurt my heart because he became so angry. And then I realized, at a certain point in the conversation, I saw that he doesn't believe that God wants to bless you. He didn't believe that God wanted to bless him, that God loved him enough he wanted him to do well. And that reminds me of Hebrews 11.6. And Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And we're supposed to live from faith to faith and glory to glory. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If we're supposed to live by faith as believers, but without and without faith it's impossible to please God, then we need to understand this verse right here says, in order to come to God, you've got to believe that He is, okay, I got that, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God is a reward mindset Father. He has a reward mindset. He is looking for ways to bless you, and if you don't believe that, you're not operating in faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please Him because He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith believes God is a rewarder you must believe God's a rewarder. And once you get that, then the tithe becomes less of, of a problem for you because you recognize I have a covenant with God and He promised to bless me in return for my tithe. It's it's me enacting and operating within the the guidelines of my covenant with God. It's not God trying to get something from me and it's not something I'm doing out of compulsion. It's just God has blessed me so that I want to to bless him back by giving him back the tithe. It's his. It, it, it's how I establish my covenant with him. It's how I maintain the connection of the blessing and promise of Abraham in my finances. So that God has legal grounds to work there. So you've got to believe God's a rewarder in order to be in faith. Those who preach against the tithe don't know or believe that God wants to reward you and has a reward mindset. But he can't violate his word. He said here, if you believe, if 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 you're going to be in faith, you've got to believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what blessings are promised with the tithe and, and with giving in general? See, I said it's a blessing thing. That's why I love it. That's why I don't believe I can afford not to. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll clarify that statement later. But let's look at Malachi 3.10. That is the classic tithe scripture. It's the one everybody who who argues about the tithe or believes in the tithe knows. And those that don't believe it say it's Old Testament so we don't have to do it. And those that do believe it say look at the blessings here. But Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightsome land, says the Lord Almighty. Now in this day, their their crops, their vineyards, their uh, flocks, that was the currency of the day. That's what they did trade by. That was their transactional currency. Today, most people... Uh, in most parts of the world at least operate on a currency system okay we have money we have bills we have credit uh credit system so if you want to bring this into our current day it says he'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be room enough to store it uh he'll prevent pests from devouring our crops the vines in our fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe that was their income so he's saying i won't I will prevent the devourer from preventing your income from coming to you. You know, bad things stopping the income, the enemy attacking you, and and you know, losing your job and and whatever else you can think of that would steal, kill, or destroy. Jesus said in John ten ten, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything like that, I will. If you tithe, my covenant with you says I am obligated to prevent that from happening in your financial life. That's the blessing that's associated with the tithe. And then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightsome land. So it'll be evident in your life that there is some kind of protection there, and there's some kind of blessing there. So Deuteronomy 28 is the blessing chapter. You read verse 1 all the way down to 14, and I think I'll I'll just skip back and forth through here. Uh, But it says, "...it shall come to pass, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all His commandments." which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. Same type of language. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. So you got to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit of God. you got to listen to the voice of God and you got to obey His commands. And He said, blessed will you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. You could say, blessed should be every income stream and every income source you have and your checking account and savings account. Your basket is where you collect the income and your store would be your savings will be blessed. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed will you be when you go out. Your enemies will rise up against you and be smitten before your face. They'll come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. He'll command the blessing upon you in your storehouses. So your collections, your your income, where you save, your savings accounts will be blessed. And all that you set your hand to will prosper. And he shall bless you in the land which he gives you. Verse 11 says, The Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of your ground, the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give you. So these are the indicators of wealth in that day. So you could say houses and cars and, and clothing today, I guess. It, it's it's a blessing that's associated with the promise of Abraham, and that 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 covenant that God made with Abraham obviously included the tithe because we saw it in uh, in Genesis fourteen, and we also saw it in Hebrews seven, where the New Testament referenced it and said that Abraham tithing to Melchizedek is like us tithing to Christ. So that blessing is associated with the tithe, and that is something that belongs to us. Luke six thirty eight. Just generally talking about giving, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap? For with the measure you use, it will be measured back. Proverbs 11:24 says, One person gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And verse 25 says, The generous man will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Giving with a right heart leads to blessing. Period. And the thing about the tithe is 1 out of 10 is 1 out of 10. If you got $10, you can tithe $1. If you got got $100,000, you can tithe $10,000. The amount doesn't really matter. It's still 10%. The only difference uh, with large sums is that maybe by the time you start dealing with that kind of money, you've trained yourself to write bigger checks as a normal routine thing, so it, it may not... Uh, pain you as much to see that money go, because by that time, you're going to be recognizing that there's blessing associated with it. Um, so what about crops and stuff? In, in that day, they, they tithed of all the increase of their flocks and their, their sheep and their crops and, and all that. So I said already, that was the economy of the day. That was the, the rate of exchange in a barter society. That was their income. Today, most people's income is currency, so our tithe would be out of our income, whether it's crops or cash. Okay, I do know of pastors in third world countries in, in South America and in Africa where people still bring crops. They still bring uh, the first fruits of their flock as their tithe because they, they, they still live in a barter society. Uh, there's fewer and fewer of those, but that still does happen. But the, the the tithe and the blessing associated with it is not limited to any currency. It's not limited to any rate of exchange. It still applies no matter where you are. And the blessing still go. the blessing is is unlimited, okay? It it goes anywhere in the world through any currency, any uh, means of exchange. Proverbs 3, 5 says, "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions.'" And with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So that's indicating new income streams and your savings, your your barns is where you stored the harvest for the coming years to, to use as you needed it. That would be savings for us today. Your income streams will be blessed with new wine, new income streams, greater income streams, and your barns will be filled with plenty if you honor the Lord with your possessions, with your income this the the, the tithe and, and giving in general is how you connect your financial life to the spiritual world. The thing about the tithe is it's so it's so systematic, it's so methodical that it's it's easy to to enact in your life. And and I heard th- there's a book that was written in 1888 and has went out of print and has since been republished and you can get it on Kindle. I'm not sure if you can get the print version. It's called The Path to Wealth. And in this book it is a collection of discussions in a blacksmith shop in eighteen eighty eight where the guy was discussing exactly what we're talking about here the tithe and and what he was what he was saying was everything we've been saying here, but he said there's there's a spiritual connection here where when, when you tithe, you're entering into that covenant with God, and he responds. And And in these discussions, he actually brought in members of the community, and it, it spread. He had several, it was like a month worth of discussions where people came from neighboring towns and cities to come in and hear this because they were hungry to hear the truth. And he went through the scriptures, and he showed them these things. And there were people that came up and gave their testimonies about the tithe, and one after another, I believe there was... 10 or 15 different testimonies where people said, you know, I didn't used to believe in it. I started tithing and I started I started uh, seeing the blessing in my life. And the amazing thing is, I lost my place and went on a little rabbit trail there. The systematic, uh, methodical uh, way of of the tithe is that it's always 10%. The amazing thing is, you think you can't afford to give the tithe, but when you set aside that 10% and you give it to the Lord, you'll begin to notice that uh, that other 90% goes just as far, if not farther, than it would have with 100% there, if you hadn't given the tithe. And so every single one of them that came up and gave their testimony said that, and then they also echoed that they had increased every year thereafter as they continued to tithe. And everyone that had started to tithe said, man, I'm never giving it up. And I'm in the same boat. Uh, We have been in situations, my wife and I, where the money was not in the account to pay the bills. And in that instance, we said, you know what? We have to tithe. We can't afford not to tithe here because we need the blessing of God here. And we have a covenant with him. Just like Jacob said, if you bless me, I'll tithe and and vice versa. If, if I tithe, you'll bless me because it's a covenant. It's a reciprocal relationship. We've been in situations where the money wasn't in the account to pay the bills and we tithe. And the next day it came in. Uh, sometimes I'd pick up an odd job, Uh, other times somebody would send me money, Uh, other times I've had people give me uh, what you call the Pentecostal handshake and they shake your hand and there's a bill in it. (laughs) And I've heard, it's never happened to me, but I've heard often enough that I know it happens of people that receive a check in the mail from somebody they don't even know. And the note said, the Lord told me to send this amount to this address. God will meet your needs. We have a covenant with him that he will honor if we uh, engage in the principles discussed. And in this case, we're talking about the tithe. So when you tithe, you the, the most important thing when you don't think you can afford to tithe is to tithe. I don't believe I can afford not to tithe no matter how little is in the account because I've seen God come through again and again and again. The tithe is the blessing connector. It's how we connect to the promise of Abraham, which, like I said, predates the law by over 400 years, and was regulated under the law, but it was just added to under the law. And then it continues. We're made heirs of the promise of Abraham through Christ. So that, that promise still operates in our lives. And if we tithe, we get to take part in that financial part of that blessing. But tithing does more than just, than just uh, acknowledge that we have a covenant with God. The, the tithe tells the Lord, you are more important to me than money. It is putting him first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or his right way of doing things. And all these other things will be added to you besides. Seeking first the kingdom of God means every area of your life, you try to do things God the way God does. You try to operate his way. And the tithe is taking the first tenth, the top part of your finances. It's the first thing that comes out. It's saying, God... When I get money, I think of you first. It's putting him first. It's saying, Lord, you are Lord over my finances. I give you legal right to work in my finances by covenant law. And I covenant with you to perform your promise that you made to Abraham and Jacob, my spiritual fathers, and all of their descendants. So there's a a great YouTube video. I'm not sure if you can still find it. Uh, I believe it's called The Tithe Experiment. It was done in the early nineteen hundreds where uh, a businessman a well known businessman, decided he was going to test the tithe with with wheat. I believe it was, and so he got i think he started with a hundred kernels of wheat and he, he sowed them and he brought in the harvest the first year and tithed the 10% and sowed the rest. And the next year, he tithed the 10% of the harvest and sowed the rest. And his tithe, he gave the wheat as an offering, as as a tithe, to a local ministry which was feeding the poor. So they grounded it into flour and actually used it. And I believe after five years, what started with like a, a nine by nine square, nine inches by nine inches, would fit on your desk, turned into over was it over 300 acres I believe it was huge you got you got to go look it up the tithe experiment Uh, I, I hope you can still find it I haven't looked lately but the tithe works it's a blessing and it is for today and and here's one other little note, even millionaires see the benefit of tithing, even even those that aren't Christians tithe. Uh, John D. Rockefeller tithed, Mr. Crowell, who, who founded Quaker Oats, was a tither, Mr. Colgate of, I'm sure you know, Colgate Toothpaste, he tithed, Richard Davos, uh, the founder of Amway, is a tither was a tither. Mr. Proctor, uh, who built ivory soap, was a tither. Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, believes in the tithe. And like I said, many of these guys, Robert Kiyosaki, I'm, I know, is not a Christian. Many of these guys aren't even Christians, but they recognize that there's blessing associated with the tithe. And and look at the Jews. Have you ever heard the phrase, as rich as a Jew? Uh, people talk about Jews because they're really, really good at making money. They seem to have some kind of advantage. Well, that advantage is the tithe. Orthodox Jews still operate uh, by the law, and so they still tithe, and God honors that covenant he made with Abraham. The tithe always leads to increase. It's a blessing thing. It's, it's not a compulsion thing. And, and here's the thing. Anytime you come across a subject that has a lot of heat around it, and a lot of debate, and people get really heated and really irritated with it, there's something there. There's some underlying truth there that the enemy doesn't want you to see because it will lead to your blessing tongues is like that, the tithe is also like that. So the the deal is you've got to look in the Word and find out what the Word says and find that blessing that the enemy is trying to hide from you because that's what this is all about. He's trying to distract you from the blessing that is associated with the tithe. It's a good in, anytime you see a lot of heat around something, it's a good indication the devil is trying to stir something up and distract you from the truth. The, the, something that God has planned for your good, which will be detrimental to his kingdom, the kingdom of darkness and, and very powerful and useful to the kingdom of light, and so we we want to make sure that we find out what the word says because the word is the final authority now um, i don 't tithe because I feel like i 'm commanded to. I already said a little bit of this, but I kind of want to wrap it up here i don 't tithe because I feel like i 'm commanded to, and i don 't tithe because I feel obligated to i don 't feel like i 'm under compulsion to I tithe because I see so many benefits to it and and it 's all throughout the Bible. And if you look throughout the Bible, you see that the guys that tithed always got blessed. They ended up rising to the top, even if they started at the bottom. I love the consistency. I love giving. And my own experience has been positive. My own experience has been that every time we tithe, the Lord, it leads to increase. We are tithers. My wife and I, we are tithers. I don't feel like I can afford not to tithe just because of the blessings that I know are associated with it. And I've been in positions, I said earlier, where we didn't have the money. Mathematically, we did not have the money where we could afford to tithe and pay our bills, and yet we tithed anyway, and those bills still get paid. Uh, the tithe, I, I love the tithe because it forces you to look, at, to look to God as your source. And He loves that, and, and He is bound to provide. He is bound I don't say he's bound to provide like, well, maybe he will. I mean, he's got, he's bound to. I mean, he is bound by his word to perform what he said in his word. Not one jot or one tittle shall pass away, Jesus said. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Not one jot or one tittle will pass away. He will fulfill. Uh, The Lord said his word does not return to him void. So when he said, test me in this and tithe and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and protect your income streams, test him in that. He has to perform his word. He's bound to it. The other thing about the tithe is is what Matthew 6.21 said. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The tithe is an indicator of where your heart is. Because wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. When you take that first 10% off the top of your income and you give it to the Lord, you are indicating, God, my heart is for you. I love you. This is why I'm tithing. That's why I love the tithe. We said earlier, one gives and gains even more. That's the way the tithe works. That's my perspective on the tithe from what I see in Scripture. Uh, No matter what, it's about your heart. But I don't think it's wrong to hold God to his promise as Jacob did in a very business-like manner. You're putting your faith in him to provide after all. But if you're doing it only because you feel compelled and obligated to, it's worthless to you. Don't, don't, even, don't even do it. Seek the Lord. Ask Him what He would have you do. Sh- let Him show you the word and the promises. And then do it because you love God and you want to want to obey His word and honor Him. And you want to operate by His covenant with you and see Him perform in His love for you. Remember, for, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 two says, without love, I'm nothing. It should be something that is done from a heart of love. Do it out of love for God and His Word, reminding Him of His promise. Like I said before, I don't believe I can afford not to tithe. I hope this has been uh, informative. I hope I answered a bunch of questions. I'm sure there are more. Uh, shoot me a message on Facebook, or um, I think you can send a message through this uh, Anchor app, is what I'm using for the podcast, or through whatever podcast platform you listen to. And we, uh, if there's a lot of questions, then we'll address them in a future episode. Anyhow, um, I hope this was a blessing. It was a blessing to me. I enjoy I enjoy this type of stuff. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll catch you in the next episode. Be blessed.